Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us share the word of God as we find it written in Luke's Gospel, the 23rd chapter, verses 39 and 40. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God? seen thou art in the same condemnation. O Lord Jesus, open thou my lips, that my mouth may show forth thy praise. Amen. Good evening, dear friends in Christ Jesus, especially you, the boys and girls of the confirmation class. I don't suppose there's any reason to tell you that I have rather a hoarse voice tonight, you have heard it, but with the help of God I think things will go along. He always has. Tonight, as you know, is Monday, Thursday night, and I suppose some of you are saying, I wonder what that word Monday means, and I would like to say that uh, all of us would like to know, too, just what it means. It's one of those words that we have used in the Christian church throughout the centuries and that it has lost its original meaning. We wonder what it was intended to mean. But the best that we know of today is that it comes from the Latin word mandatum or we get the English word mandate from it and that it recalls that it was on this night centuries ago in the upper room, you recall, that Jesus gave a new commandment to his disciples that they would love one another as he had loved them. And so, mandatum or Monday, Thursday. And as we also recall, this is the anniversary night when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. And of course, we have come here to celebrate uh, that great sacrament. We are in Holy Week, as we know, and what we have been doing in this Lenten season, we have been looking at some of the characters who played a part in the sufferings and death of Christ, we have been imagining that they are alive again in the 20th century and that they have come back and that they have told us their story. So far, those of you who have been setting apart and our extra each week coming to the Lenten Vespers know that we have had Judas the betrayer tell his story and then there came Peter the denier. Then it was John the beloved disciple and then we had Caiaphas the high priest and then it was Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, and last Wednesday night, a week ago, it was Simon the Cyrenian. And tonight we come to one of those characters that goes unnamed in the word of God, although he has been given a name, one of those immortals and a very interesting character indeed. We know him as the penitent thief. He is sometimes called the good thief. We may say to ourselves tonight as we lay aside our cares and the troubles of the day, and as we have the penitent thief come and tell his story, we may say, what would it be like if he came to Emmanuel tonight and he told us his story? I believe it would run something like this, Christian friends. He would say, I am the thief that you call the good thief or the penitent thief. I am the thief that was crucified 
on the right side of Jesus. While your Bible doesn't give me a name, and nevertheless tradition in the church does give me a name, and I am known as Dismas. My partner, my buddy who was hanging to the left of Jesus, has also been given a name by tradition, and his name is Gizmus, but mine is Dismas. I would also like to mention to you that tradition says that I was a brother of Judas Iscariot, although your Bible doesn't say that. You know me as one of the malefactors. You know me as one who was a murderer. You know me as one that was an outlaw. Perhaps you are not interested in my early life, but I would like to tell you just a little bit about it that you might understand the things that led to my crucifixion with Jesus at Calvary. Early in life, I decided that I was going to commit my first crime. And may I assure you that the first crime is the hardest one to do. I shall never forget the first thing that I did, which was against the law. It frightened me very much when I knew that I had violated the law, when I knew that I would be subject to arrest. But I want you to know that with all of that terror, it finally left me because I got away with it. And then I began to feel that I was a smart one and that therefore I could dedicate my life to a life of crime. I could go against the law. No one would catch up with me. I was a smart one. I was not stupid. And so one crime led to another until finally I was guilty of insurrection and I was also guilty of murder. I want you to know that when I began to do wrong, then I also began to think wrong. I began to say to myself, what is right? What is wrong? Because I thought that I was so clever, I made up my mind that I was going to be a free man. I was going to live my life as I please. Nobody was going to tell me what to do. God wasn't going to tell me what to do. The law wasn't going to dictate what I was to do. My parents were not going to tell me what I could do. Do I sound a bit like the 20th century, like some youth today who are saying, I'm going to live my life of freedom and I don't care what the law says, I don't care what is right, what good is a marriage? It's nothing but a piece of paper. What do you mean by morality? That's just the way you look at something. What do you mean by something being right or wrong? Does that sound familiar? What is right? What is wrong? And just as in your 20th century there are those who are saying, what do I care about that which is right? What do I care about that which is wrong? I am going to live my life. I don't care what God says or what man says, and nothing is going to catch up with me. That's the way 
I felt because that's the way I began to think. And then came the day, friends, when I was arrested for murder. And then came the day of my trial. I had always gotten out of it before. And I felt that there would be some way, somehow, that I would get over this wrath and that I wouldn't have to pay with my life. But I soon found out that the law caught up with me, that there was such a thing as right and wrong, that there was such a thing as law. And then it was on that day that you called Good Friday when I realized that I, Dismas, was carrying my own cross and I was going to the place of the Skull, Skull Hill, and I and my partner were going to be crucified. I still felt that somebody would rescue me. I still felt that I would get away with it because I was a clever criminal. I was a clever murderer, and I had lived that way, and I was hardened in a life of crime. But the next thing I knew, a group of Roman soldiers grabbed me and there was a cross lying on the ground. And it took a number of those men to hold me and they laid me down on that cross and they gave me a drink of wine that was mixed with aloes, which was supposed to kind of deaden my senses. But I want you to know that I was like a madman and I screamed and I cursed and I hollered and I fought and I bit and I did everything that I could and they had a terrible time and they stretched my hand out on the cross beam and I felt a nail being placed in the center and then there was a mallet and there was put through my right hand first a nail and oh it was a blinding pain when it came through I screamed and I cursed because I was a hardened criminal and then the left hand was nailed and then my legs were nailed to the cross and with that blinding, screaming pain I shouted and I cursed and I swore and I was bitter that my life had finally caught up with me. And there I was, I found myself hanging next to a man in the center. And when I adjusted my body, you know, you can adjust yourself to most anything after a while. When I adjusted it, even though my hands and my legs were bleeding and I shook my head to kind of clear it before the fever was setting in, I looked out at the crowd and I noticed right away that it just wasn't an ordinary crowd of hoodlums. I noticed there were some chief priests and I saw scribes and I saw Pharisees. They weren't paying any attention to me. They weren't paying any attention to my buddy over on the left side of this man in the center. They were looking at that man in the center and they were screaming epithets at him. They were acting like a bunch of mad dogs and they were screaming and when they began to rail at him, I wondered who he was and even though I was in pain, I, I looked up and I wanted to see what the superscription was on that man's cross and I looked up and it read, Jesus Nazarenus Rex Eudorum and I thought to myself, Jesus Christ, King of the Jews, he is not King of the Jews. 
You know, your Bible says that I railed you. And so I laughed and I joined in with them. And when they were shouting, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself and us, I yelled at him too. If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself and save us. And my buddy on the other cross, he yelled too. And I had heard this man on the center pray when they nailed him. I noticed that he didn't drink that wine and that aloes, and I noticed that he didn't scream, and I heard him say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I wondered, where does he get the idea that God is his Father? And so I joined in speaking these epithets and railing at him, and I joined in there in doing everything that I could say. I thought, who is he, king of the Jews? Who is he that God is his father? Who does he uh, think he is? And so I heckled, and I joined in with the crowd. And then, I don't know what to tell you, I don't know how to explain it, but something happened. I don't know how to even tell you, but something happened down in here. I looked again in my pain, and I looked up at that superscription on his cross, and I read it again. Jesus, Nazarenus, Rex, Eudorum, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, why could he be the King of the Jews? Those of you that are Christians will understand something was happening that I never thought would. I began to believe that that he was Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. He was a king, and I was believing it with all my heart, that here he was dying, but he was going to go to a kingdom that belonged to him. He was going to go to the kingdom of heaven. And I believed it. I don't know what happened. But I stopped heckling. When I thought of what he had said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, I don't know how to tell you, but I suddenly said to myself, well, he is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. That's who he is. He's a king going home to his kingdom. He is a king going home to his Father in heaven. I don't know how to explain it, I, Dismas. You see, I'm just an outlaw. I'm just a murderer. I'm just an open sinner and insurrectionist. But I was believing what again I had heard and what I had seen. And when I began to believe that, I suddenly saw my life as I figured God saw it. And I was so ashamed of myself to think that I had been heckling him and I had been scoffing at him 
and I had been casting horrible things into his teeth, and I, I wanted to confess it. Oh, I know that you may wonder about my words, but I, I want you to know it was, it was the only way I knew how to say it. And so I, I turned my head to speak to my buddy who was still heckling and who was still scoffing, and I told him to be quiet. I said, uh, aren't you afraid of God saying the things that you're saying, seeing that we are in the same condemnation? Then I said, and we're getting what we deserve. This is the way I acknowledge my guilt. I, I didn't know how better to say it. How would you have said it? I acknowledge that I was getting what I deserved that I was being crucified, this is what I deserved, that I had broken God's law and man's law. Then I told my buddy, I said, but this man on the center cross, he's innocent. Something happened to me that Friday morning. I, I don't know how to tell you. I was heckling him and scoffing, and suddenly I began to believe, and I confessed. And I admitted my guilt. And then I thought, I, I've got to say something to him. And I thought, oh no, uh, I, I can't say something to him, this king of the Jews, the son of God. I, Dismas, I, an outlaw, I, a malefactor, I, uh, a murderer. But... Oh, how could I? I? I just couldn't say something to him. He wouldn't understand from a man like me. But I wanted to say something. And so I, I turned to him, and I raised my face to him, and I said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. I said nine words to him. Uh, maybe you would have said it a lot better than I, but I, I didn't know how better to say it. I called him Lord because something had happened way down in here. I began to believe that he was my Lord, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Savior for whom we had been waiting. But here I, a murderer, and a malefactor and I I called him Lord and I said Lord and oh I, I just couldn't ask him to uh, let me go to his kingdom where he was going so about all I could think of was that I I said Lord remember me will you when you when you get to your kingdom of heaven will you remember me Dismas that murderer that was hanging at your right side, Jesus, will you remember me? Oh, I thought if he would just remember me when he got to his kingdom, maybe, maybe he could do something for me, but I couldn't imagine that I, a murderer, could ever go and be with the angels and the archangels. Oh, no, not I, Dismas. And then it was just nine words. That's all I, I didn't know how to say it any better, any different. 
But I want you to know it came from my heart. And then when I looked up at him, he, he turned and he, he looked down at me. And he said, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Oh God, you don't know what that meant to me. Today. He looked down at me and he said, Why today you're going to be with me in paradise. Today I'm going to my kingdom. I'm going to heaven and Dismas. I'm going to take you with me. Oh, what a change. I, a murderer, and he looked at me in all the anguish. But oh, I want you to know, I, I saw a smile in his face. I brought a little happiness to him because he smiled when he looked at me and he said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I, I was hanging on the cross and somehow or other my, my burden was lifted. Somehow or other all that feeling of guilt, all that bitterness, all that hatred, it was all gone. And I, I had hope. I had hope and I believed him. And I, I couldn't wait till the time came that I would die. And about three o'clock in the afternoon, the soldiers came and they had a real long iron pipe and they broke my legs. I didn't mind because I knew that would hasten death. They broke also the legs of my buddy over on the other side who kept on railing and cursing until he died. And then that afternoon, my Lord, he took my soul and he took me to paradise. And I entered heaven with him that afternoon and he introduced me to his father. And he told his father that he had brought a friend, that he had met at Calvary, that I was redeemed, that he had bought my soul. And I want you to know that the bells of heaven rang on Good Friday afternoon at about three o'clock when my Lord took me, Dismas, a murderer, when he took me to his kingdom and he took me to paradise. Oh, I, I'm so glad you invited me to come here tonight because Maybe there are some here in this congregation tonight who have given up all hope. You have felt that you're such a terrible sinner, that you have done so many things that are wrong, that you have simply, you have simply outweighed and you have outlasted the patience of God, and you may feel it so hopeless. I'm glad you let me come tonight because I want to tell you what, what happened to me can happen to you. All that you need to do is to tell him you're sorry, and all that you need to do is to say nine words, the words that came to me, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And I'm sure you can say that, can't you? I'm sure that you can still turn to him and say that. And I want you to know that 
I stand, I was one of the most hopeless of individuals. Remember, I cursed him and I railed on him. I had done nothing good with my life. The clock of my life was striking eleven, the eleventh hour, and as it was striking eleven, I reached up and I called to him, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And I want you to know that what he did for me, he can do for you. You, you sing a song in your 20th century. It is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he'll do for you. With arms wide open, he'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. And I understand you are celebrating the Lord's Supper. This Jesus nux rein, this rexudorum, that I learned to know on the cross. He gives you his body and blood. That body and blood that was given and shed in death. And I want you to know that regardless of how hopeless your life may seem, that body and that blood which you will receive tonight, those two wonderful erasers will erase from your soul forever and ever all that you have ever done, all the dirty, stinking things that you have done, that you can stand before him whiter than snow, like I did, Dismas. Before I leave you, would you remember me? I, Dismas, person who caused your Lord and mine in the agony of dying to turn to me and to smile. I made him happy because I turned to him in sorrow and faith. Won't you make him happy too? Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Thank you.